Are you ready? Yeah. Are you with it? Yeah. Okay, let's go. You know what to do. The whole world's watching and counting on you. And all you people listening out there, everybody, everywhere. Hang on, hang on, hang on! Welcome to Checkered Past, a loving postmodern examination of the Go-Go Check branded comic magazines published by DC Comics between February 1966 and August 1967. I'm Dr. Bob, and each week I'll be your guide on this trippy tour through 535 mid-century masterpieces of graphic noveldom. This week, Action Comics number 338 and 339. Cover dates, June 1966 and July 1966. Cover prices, 12 cents. Cover artists, Kurt Swan and George Klein. Edited by Mort Weisinger. Featuring Muto, Monarch of Menace. And Muto versus the Man of Tomorrow, written by Edmund Hamilton, art by Kurt Swan and George Klein. Are you ready? Are you with it? Then away we go go. Welcome to the world of love and laughter, baby. Welcome to the sunshine of a brand new day. Oh, you drifted onto the sea. You flowered into a dream. A dream that never would fade away. Muto returns with a plan to kill his greatest enemy, the Superman of the year 2966. Superman tracks Muto and spots him starting a flood. The rushing water endangers three children. Superman tries to rescue the children, only to discover that they are androids. The floodwaters engulf Superman, exposing him to his only weakness, atomic fallout in the seawater. Confused? Don't worry. I'll be right back with Dr. Husband to explain everything. June, July, do a mirage twenty-three. Say l'uomo esisterà e si una donna avrà capirà. Well, you know what's been keeping me up nights. All those crazy dreams you've been having. And? What? No wonder. Who will replace the Man of Steel when he dies? Well, we're going to find out, aren't we? Yes. Also, one more thing keeping me up. Is it Muto or Muto? Let's call him Muto, because he mutated. Okay. Um, Action Comics number 338. Who will replace the Man of Steel when he dies? See what happens when the future Superman of 2966 clashes with Muto, the monarch of menace. (laughs) Um, So one big problem I see right away. This is taking place in the year 19, or 2966. Right, a thousand years into the future uh, when this was published. Right. Also home to famous Superman family characters, the Legion of Superheroes. Okay. Who receive no mention in this comic. And the Legion of Superheroes had been written at this time. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, like, I mean, it's not like the readers don't know this. Of course. Okay. Um, now, I do know that later reprintings of this story 
place it in the year 2496 rather than 2966, presumably to avoid conflicts with the Legion of Superheroes who exist in 2966. Um, That doesn't help us for purposes now of our story, though. Real weird story today. Yeah. Yeah. Hopping Heroes. We read on the splash page, what kind of Superman story is this? Can this future age city be Metropolis? And that flying guy doesn't look like our Man of Steel. Well, actually he looks exactly he looks just like Superman's in costume. Somewhat different. A little more rakish uh, forelock of hair mm-hmm. than what we're used to with mm-hmm. the Superman curl. But that's it. Yep. Um, well, no wonder he's the Superman of 2966, a direct descendant of the caped Kryptonian and the villain... Just turn the page and meet Muto, Monarch Monarch of of Menace. Menace. Okay, I think I will. Okay. Uh, A familiar-looking figure zooms over Metropolis, but this is the Metropolis of the year 2966, as we'll read. Look, Bob, they have pneumatic trains. uh, Trains and pneumatic tubes. Yes, pneumatic tube trains. And held up by some kind of suspension bridge. Bridge. Mm -hmm. And there's, I think I see the Watergate Hotel. (laughs) <laughs> well, it lasted a thousand years. And Superman must have gotten some chafing on his space mission, which yes, he's he returning fly from. Like this, like the, the Superman of our time. He is just flying with legs akimbo. <laughs> um, this Superman, however, is the remote descendant of the original Superman of 1966, who uh, has a job with the Federation of Planets, he is a lawman with unlimited authority. What could go wrong? Well, it's interesting. You know, I, I, you know, if I were Superman of the year 2966 and flying around legs akimbo, I'm sure that I would be thinking about, just as I'm flying along, thinking about the job description that I have. He's thinking to himself, the Federation of Planets gave me a big job when it appointed me lawman with unlimited authority. Well, thank you. I'm glad that that wasn't uh, covered by the, by the, the writer. The text, the yeah. The text, uh-huh. yes. Yeah. But I must use my inherited Kryptonian superpowers, as all of my ancestors did, for, for the good of everyone. So this morning when I was getting up to walk the dogs, yeah. I thought to myself, as I was brushing my teeth, I was thinking, well, as the dean of the College of Arts and Humanities and Social Sciences, is it appropriate for me to brush my teeth and put on my tennis shoes before I walk my dogs in this Martinsburg, West Virginia uh, uh, and and uh, get them some exercise because I, I very must I should do that as many of my ancestors have done before walk the dogs in the morning. It's a perfectly natural thing for someone to be thinking when they wake up in the morning, right? As a dean of <laughs> arts and humanities and social sciences, uh-huh. is it even appropriate for you to wear tennis shoes in public? <laughs> what would the dean of arts and humanities and social sciences wear on his or her feet in public? Well, you should wear shiny. Uh, Dress shoes with spats and a top hat and tails, like Perry White does when he's a senator. Oh, you're so right. I should have only sweaters with, um, or rather, rather blazers with with suede patches. Patches, yeah. yes, on, yes. Um, and a pipe. Do you smoke a pipe? I don't. Well, you should okay. on your morning walk. Okay. And uh, little round spectacles. A monocle. Yes. A monocle. And a cravat. <laughs> I think I know what you're getting for Christmas. Flashing to the Daily Interplanetary News Building. Yes, where Superman of 2966... He says, well, enough of me thinking about my job description and all the history up to this point in time. Right now, I'd better become Clark Kent. 
<laughs> Clark Ken, T5477. Yes. Um, he's doing the job. Yeah. These telescopic spectacles I wear as an ultra news reporter are a big help in my disguise. So, so far we've learned that the Superman of a thousand years in the future looks and acts and has the same job yeah. in a secret identity as the Superman of 1966. And for a thousand years, people still don't know right. that Clark Kent <laughs> is also Superman. In a world where lexophones have existed for approximately 1,000 years, yes. nobody's figured it out. Yeah. Not even intrepid news hen Lyra3916. I'm going to hate having to say those numbers after the Get used to it, because that's their names. Um, They are being ordered into action by... Oh, first, I want to say something about Clark Ken T-5477's civilian clothes. Yes. I love them. I thought you would. It's something out of, like, the Florentine Camerata era. Mm -hmm. Puffy sleeves and tight-fitting striped pants. And some kind of diamond shape on his jerkin there it almost doesn't fit the glasses don't fit do they don't do they no no anyway you'll be glad to know that the daily interplanetary news editor-in-chief is a robot reproduction of perry white (laughs) the computer pw5598 worse slave driver than a human editor now having your editor-in-chief Contain the brainwaves of someone from 1,000 years in the past. Mm-hmm. Suppose you went to work tomorrow and your new boss uh-huh. was a computer recreation of Ethel Kent, the Knut King of Saxony, <laughs> 1,000 years ago. Well, as I work Is in that- higher. As I work in higher education, oh. <laughs> which is an institute, an institution very resistant to change, it's kind of like uh, not not saying anything about my boss, but the institution itself yes. and the culture is very much like <laughs> rooted, in, rooted the in the past. Okay, that's a fair point. <laughs> it's um, slow to change. Anyway, it seems that Muto has been spotted in Sector Z forty four, but he's quickly gone into hiding. So. Uh, Turns out that's a disaster for Superman. Mm, right. Um, what does Lyra say? Uh, Muto. Whenever, whenever that super criminal appears, there's big news. Big news. <laughs> that's a that's song a from reference uh, that we're not going to talk about. <laughs> what's that show? Dang it! Um, parade. Yeah, parade. Parade. Uh, I almost said parade. <gasps> um. So. <laughs> <laughs> to. Get our backstory on Muto, we'd better get out the film strip projector. It's too bad that this story that takes place a thousand years in the future doesn't require a thousand panels of history for us to get caught up to where it is right now. (laughs) I should say, this is the second and third appearance of Superman of 2966 out of four. Okay. So, we have seen Superman of 2966 previously, also fighting Muto, but nonetheless... We're going to get out the uh, micro reel, which contains thousands of pictures with sound accompaniment recorded on plastic strands as thin as thread, but stronger than steel. So no. a thumb drive. Basically, yes. Yeah. Only it can project onto the wall where they have a sofa ready to go. Like that sofa. For Clara and Lyra to snuggle up and watch the uh, film mm-hmm. strip. Mm-hmm. 
I wonder if they have to press it to change. <laughs> Beam. Um, so we get a brief flashback, not only of Superman 2966's previous battle with Muto, but also the first mm-hmm. Superman fighting Luthor. I just want to just stop, pause for a second. That mm-hmm. little ding sound that we made. For those listeners, the two of you who are quite young, we used to, when we were growing up, we would have not only reel-to-reel films that we'd watch in in public school, but we'd also have um, the single film strips, right? Yes. And they would play a record or Uh a cassette, mostly records, um, to accompany it, and there would be a ding for you to change the slot, uh, change the film yeah, the slide. The slide. And if you didn't change it, everybody would yell at you, change it, turn it, change it. It was a big honor to be named AV assistant. It was. Be the one to not only set up the projector, but also to change, to change the slide. It. Oh my gosh, it was a big deal. Now we flash forward to Superman the Fifth, battling his arch foe, Vildan. And uh, then again. Up to the present time, Superman 2966 fighting Muto, who has a kryptonite gun, but it turns out Superman of the future are immune to kryptonite. It's true. Hmph. Unfortunately, well, I guess we'll talk about his weakness soon. Yes. I have a problem with his weakness. Now, Lyra, is it Lyra or Lyra? Oh, let's call her Lyra. Unlike Lois Lane in our own time, girl reporter Lyra3916 is mad for Clark Kent. T-5477, but despises Superman. Go figure. Quelle différence. Quelle différence. That's the only thing that's different so uh-huh. far. Let's keep track. So Superman, or Clark Kent, yes. goes to the records room uh-huh. to make his change. Yes. And all of a sudden, someone sees him. Look, it's JL3388, who was behind a cabinet and rookie Superman didn't bother checking if anybody else was in the room before he started stripping off his clothes. Right. Um, well, but he, JL, uh, he makes up a little white lie and says, Jay, the editor wants everyone. A big story is broken. And so JL takes off. Yeah. Leaving Superman to think one slip like che- like not checking the room for eavesdroppers could expose me. I must never forget how it happened to two of my Superman ancestors. Yes. So we get a little bit more backstory. Uh-huh. A few more panels. Uh, Superman the Fourth had his identity exposed by a simple accident at a suburban jet train station mm. uh, when the train was derailing, and Dave Kent swooped into action. Did not change into a costume. No. Um, well, that's I applaud that. Yeah. Um, and also, his great grandson Superman the Seventh had his identity <laughs> accidentally revealed. By his own son when they're in the midst of a dinner party. Uh, the child rips open his father's shirt to expose his Superman outfit. I love what one of the guests says. So, so one guest says, why, our host's baby ripped open his clothes. He's wearing a Superman costume underneath. And then somebody says, then Canton K-73 must be Superman. Only a baby with super strength could, uh, such as his son, could... Pos- um, excuse me, I'm sorry. Only a baby with such super strength as his son could possess could have done that. Only a baby could actually rip open with super Only strength. Only a super strong baby? Uh, no. Um, also, I think that could have been played off as like, oh, hey, look at my new undershirt. <laughs> or I'm getting That's ready my for my I was playing Superman earlier with the baby. Right. Um, also, 
we have a continuous line of male Kent descendants, mm-hmm. two of whose identities have been exposed. <laughs> You'd think they'd figure, how did any Kent after that maintain a secret identity? Well, maybe with time and death, the memory fades. Well, the neighbors have already figured out that the baby has super strength. Ergo is going to be Superman the Eighth. Do you suppose they had eaten, or do you suppose this is pre-dinner? Um, I think probably they have eaten because yeah. the women are sitting down. The- <laughs> They're not in the kitchen. Right. Cleaning up. <laughs> and as the man of steel streaks off his man uh, on his manhunt... I yes. must never forget how those t- uh, t- how two of my God, I don't know why I'm rushing through this. I must never forget how those two of my predecessors lost their secrets. But right now I'd better concentrate on Zector Z44, where Muto has reappeared. Meanwhile, Thanks for the flashback. In Sector Z44, Muto turns out he's deliberately let himself be seen. He's drawing Superman into a trap. Muto has little man's voice. Um he has three lieutenants. Yan of the underground people of the planet Waru, Thargo, whose race has its own living radar sense, and Vondon from Blacks, the world without color. <laughs> These are indeed terrible foes for Superman. Yes, but you don't need to remember their names because you'll never they'll never again. be seen again. So they're drawing Superman. Uh, into space, we learn that this Superman's father made Muto what he is, a super-brained being, yes. Yes. But physically a freak. Uh, This harkens back, of course, to Lex Luthor, who famously became evil when Superboy blew gas onto his head that made his hair fall out. Oh, my. Accidentally, of course. Yes, but But. it inspired a lifelong hateful relationship. Yes. Mutual. So it turns out the previous Superman smashed a comet into dust. He was trying to save a planet. Well, right. A world, but an entire planet full of people. By He, he smashed the um, solio nucleus, nucleus to dust uh-huh. uh, so it wouldn't hurt anyone. Uh-huh. However, by doing that, what did he do? Well, um, it opened a space warp that pulled into a ship. And the which, people on the ship were trapped in that space warp. Yes, including Muto's mother. Right. She had him, but he was, as a result of the being born in that strange place, in that space warp, he had an abnormally large brain, which gave him telekinetic powers and all sorts of other powers. Right. And because he learned that that's why he was so different from everyone else, um, he decided that he would take his revenge on Superman. You know what? Hmm. If he was born this way and... Grew up thinking he was a freak. That's on the parents. Right. That's not on Superman. Yeah, it's a gift. Yeah. He could have done amazing things with that. And he doesn't have, he doesn't look like a horrible freak. He's kind of jacked, actually. It's just his giant head. Yeah. He's probably got a strong neck having to carry that giant brain around. Well, right? still, yeah. Yeah. Um, anyway, he remained as he was born, mighty in mental powers, but physically different from all other men. That's why he wants vengeance on the whole Superman line. And now he's going to get it. So soon, as Superman speeds to the sector of space where Muta was sighted, he says, these are sick worlds. 
Without sunlight, water, or air, I hope to make them habitable someday, but right now I must make sure Muto doesn't land on a particular planet in this sector. Why? One particular planet. It's the weapons world. Mm -hmm. When the Planetary Federation outlawed war, all of the weapons of the universe were brought here for safekeeping. Nice way to weave a little bit more backstory into Mm -hmm. it. Turns out Muto and his gang are already there, however. If there's no water or vegetation or life on these planets, how are they supporting any oxygen-breathing carbon-based life forms. Um, I'm not sure that they are. Mm-hmm. Superman, of course, doesn't need to breathe. Well, he said there's no sunlight, water, or air. Mm-hmm. But I'm seeing shadows and sunlight on this planet. Listen, it's no time to bring logic into this when Muto's lieutenants are loading weapons onto his ship. Mm. Uh, so, Superman and Muto have a little fight here. Muto has easy. the ability to transform any matter into anything he imagines. So he right. tries to trap Superman in a glass box, which then becomes a glass maze, but Superman just bursts out. Yeah. And goes after the rocket, which he believes is full of Muto and his henchmen, his fellow lieutenants, as they're called, and, right. uh, and weapons. But it's a decoy. Mm-hmm. The ship took off, and it's uh, empty... Meanwhile, Muto and the gang are back still on the planet, looting all the rest of the weapons. Right. Um, so, Muto creates a big glob of green kryptonite, forgetting that Superman of the future is immune to kryptonite. I don't think he forgot. Um, I mean, he, he says, I fooled him. I know what his real vulnerability is, right. but I'll keep that for a surprise. But Superman thinks that he's forgotten. Oh, I see. Okay, okay. Here's where we learn that his only vulnerability is a chemical fallout left by a past atomic war, which settled in the seas of every planet. Where are you? I'm on page I 10. see that. Okay, yeah, yeah. My only vulnerability. Yeah. So, we learned that there was an atomic war, which apparently took place over the entire galaxy, because every planet's water supply is infected with atomic fallout. Right. Now, is it possible for something to happen in the entire universe all at the same time? Yes, it is possible. We know that from watching Star Trek Discovery, and they're trying to find the source of the burn. Right. Where all dilithium crystals were destroyed at the same time. Is it also possible that water being infected with a chemical fallout would only affect the most powerful living being in the universe? No. Highly improbable. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, whatever happened to Supergirl, I wonder? Did she marry and have children that lived into the 30th century? Who knows? I wish we could find out. Well, that's a little bit too large of a scope for this sort of story. Is it? Because we're getting a lot. <laughs> <laughs> I say that very tongue Oh, Bob, don't you think that's a, that's that's going a little bit too big for this? Don't you think? I mean, we've got to we've got to cover a thousand years worth of history and give Muto's backstory and go to a different planet and tell a bunch of lies that aren't true. Like this planet doesn't have any air or water or or sunlight, and it's clear that you're looking at it, and it does. Well, maybe no water. Um, we also learned that Muto has. Exactly one vulnerability, but we may never know what it is. Yeah. So Superman follows Muto into his citadel. Um, Muto is going to 
smash open a sphere which contains fungus from distant space which grows with terrific speed in air and is deadly to all life. So there is air because the fungus is going to grow. Yeah. So Superman of the Future has <laughs> lied twice. Yeah, Superman of the Future is a liar. He's handsome, though. He's got a rakish-looking hairdo. Yes, he's got a wide chin mm-hmm. and uh, baggy eyes. You know, let's just not be too harsh. I can't believe I'm saying this, but, you know, this is not written for people our age. It's, I mean, in the 1960s, people weren't just... I, I don't know if they'd be as discriminating. We're, we're looking back on this with quite a bit of knowledge. What's that have to do with baggy eyes? What? Oh, I'm sorry. I was just saying about, you know, Superman telling lies and stuff. I don't think people were as discriminating about their comic books back then as we are now. Well, agree to disagree. Mm-hmm. Anyway, Superman's got to stop this fungus somehow, so what's he do? He breathes it all into his lungs. Yeah. I thought it destroys all life. Well, not Superman, obviously. Oh, man, of course. He can breathe it in, and he's burning it with his heat vision. Why, 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 why would a life-killing fungus oh, be? Oh, because he's not breathing it. He's pulling it towards his and face burning and then it. burning it right. so that he, before it gets to his mouth. Why would a life-killing fungus be any harmful uh, thing to him whatsoever? Because, I mean, after all, what can hurt him? Just... Water. Water. Right. So, <laughs> he, Muto is using his powers now to... Uh, he's going to a nearby planet in the solar system. Right. And so he's dissolving part of a cliff face so that the ocean water will rush through... A valley. And into a valley. Drown inhabitants. Yes. The only inhabitants apparently are three children playing in the valley. <laughs> you got to start somewhere. <laughs> So Superman goes to rescue the children, uh, and as he scoops them up, he discovers that they are not living children at all. They're androids. Yes, you can tell by their blank stares. Yes. Well, they look like normal children to me. Mm-hmm. Um, Muto apparently made the android children to lure Superman to his doom, knowing that he would try to save them, of course, because mm-hmm. he's Superman. But now he's paralyzed by the contaminated water. He can only lie at the bottom of the ocean helplessly until the water kills him. He's going to die. And <laughs> while the android children continue to play, keep running and playing as Muto programmed them to. Right, even in underwater. Circles, they're playing chase. They're having a good time around wee, the dying Superman. <laughs> play with that Superman. Muto gloats from the shore. Finally, he has revenged himself on the whole Superman line. He will soon be dead, and there will be no descendants to carry on. And in a classic villain trope, he leaves before he sees that his foe is dead. Right. Duh. Let's flash ahead to the next issue, shall we? Yes, let's. Think the Superman of our day has his hands full battling Luther's wily scientific brain? Brother, he has it easy compared to his descendant in the far future, the Superman of 2966. This man of tomorrow is up against a super-brained mutant who has the fantastic power to conquer the whole cosmos. Mm -hmm. So take a ringside seat for the battle of the century, the 30th century, that is. Muto versus the man of tomorrow. So we get a quick recap. This is with a panel of uh, Muto melting the cliff, the seas rushing in. Superman uh, rescues the uh, children Uh who turn out to be 
androids, and he's dying at the bottom of the uh, ocean floor while the children are uh, frolicking about him. Right. Uh, Muto takes off. Superman lying motionless at the bottom of the ocean while the android children play. However, he can't move, but he can still use his supervision to some extent and can see that the control board in an android child's back... And with his limited heat vision, he can change the programming. Yeah. He must be damn clever. Well, he is a descendant of Superman, so mm. he's got a super brain. Mm-hmm. Um, now, I'm not sh- sure what good heat could do in reprogramming. Well, after all, isn't programming at this point in the 1960s when this was written just a series of, of rewiring circuits? Rewiring, yes, but... Sorry, i got to adjust myself in this chair. It's like I crossed my leg. That's creaky chairs. Sorry about that. It's quite all right. These are antique chairs with seats which were needle-pointed by Aunt Lula. Which is why you won't let me get rid of them. Because they have a sentimental family value, and I, I appreciate that. Listen. Yes. You can keep these chairs and also buy new ones. <laughs> you are a dean of arts and humanities and social science. Well, not if I'm spending all. all my money on spats and pipes and cravats. Well, you can buy those at the Goodwill, <laughs> heaven's sakes. <laughs> and so Superman is reprogramming the child, uh, the children, yes. and with his heat vision, and successfully does so. Yes. And he reprogrammed them to carry him out of the ocean. Which uh, immediately cures him because water doesn't cling to clothes or hair. Right. And he's going to take the children to the planet Olfat, a planet whose entire population is made up of androids, the only survivors left when that world's humans died out in the plague. Isn't that convenient? It's heartbreaking. The whole human population died of a plague, and all that's left is androids. Androids, yeah. Well, I wonder if they're programmed with the brains of the people that died. But he's just going to orphan these three kids there. I'm sure they'll be fine. Listen, Superman has a long history of just, I mean, can we talk about Supergirl? She's my only, not only my only living relative, but the only other survivor of my planet. I'm going to drop you in an orphanage. Dump her in an orphanage. <sighs> Meanwhile, he was raised by two loving Earth parents. Yes. Yeah. Anyway, from Earth's Atlantis, good to know Atlantis is still around, Mm -hmm. a thousand years in the future, comes a mental communication powered by many minds. The Mer people of Atlantis are uh, sending a telepathic message because Muto has come to Earth and has an undersea base here. Now, Rob, I know what you're saying. Aquaman's from Atlantis and he doesn't have a fishtail. Yes, I was going to say that. You were? Yes. Well, it turns out that there were two ancient cities, well, more than two, but two big ancient cities in Atlantis, Poseidonus and Tritonus. Okay. Poseidonus is where Aquaman lives. The people of Poseidonus, when Atlantis sank, erected a dome over the city mm-hmm. and retained their human form and then gradually became able to breathe water. Okay. The people of Tritonus, rather than build a dome over the city, they took a formula which changed them into people so that they could survive underwater. Oh, my goodness. And famously, Superman of our time, when he was in college, had a mermaid girlfriend, Lori Lamaris. Yes. I think we've seen her once already. Yes, we have. Um, so Superman realizes that Muto is ready to use the terrible arsenal he stole from the weapons world. 
So he rushes to Earth. Yes. Which is, by the way, covered in three quarters of its surface is covered in water. <laughs> right, right, right. So that makes three quarters of the Earth's surface out of bounds to him. Right. Luckily, the chemical fallout didn't affect the civilizations living under the ocean <laughs> who can't live on land. Or any of Earth's inhabitants, except or, for Superman. Right, or sea life. Or anything. Except Superman. Yeah. Um, so the base is underwater. Do you think when they pitched this story in the writer's room, somebody was drinking water and did a spit take? When they said, "When they said we're going to make his weakness water," it was like, <laughs> "Okay." Um, honestly, I don't think there was any kind of vetting process. No, here I'm pretty sure somebody just like, did they have mushrooms in the '60s? Of course, oh they yes, did. they did. Of course, I think that there was probably some kind of uh, chemical influence involved. Oh, the '60s was our most recent um, humanist. Um, Renaissance. Is that so? Mm-hmm. Um, how fascinating. <laughs> well, I mean, like, um, it was a time bef- uh, before the, the Pentecostals and such gained, and, and evangelicals gained such a uh, uh, popular following in the United States. And it was a time of, you know, experimentation with drugs and people um, just sort of you know, exploring other things like meditation and transcendence and stuff like that. So, um, and of course, you know, hyper, uh, not uh, psychedelic drugs and such. So I, uh, it's only fresh in my mind because I was reading about John Lennon's song, Imagine Last Night and the context, the cultural context in which he wrote it. It's okay. I'll forget about it in a couple of days and I'll never mention it again. You of course are free to mention anything you like. Uh, so, the base is lead-lined, so he, Superman can't see inside, and it's underwater, so he can't get to it. So he goes to get a big uh, anchor on a chain that he can lower into the ocean. A colossal grapple, as he calls it. Yes. To He's fish. going fishing. Yeah. Yeah. Who's going fishing? Superman? Who's going fishing? Who's going fishing? Hey. Um, <laughs> now, of course, the base then starts spinning creating a giant water spout to trap Superman because it was all a trap all it's along. It's kind of like an inverted immersion blender. Yeah, exactly. Right? By the way, I'm still upset about that pan that was wrecked. Uh, you didn't I do know. it intentionally, but you were making this. No, I did, though. But <laughs> I bought a cheap pan at the grocery store to make soups in, and then I was using the immersion blender, and, of course, it just dug up all of the Teflon, Teflon coating. coating. The bottom of the pan, and yeah. we're probably poisoned. Yeah, I told Bob after he used it a couple times, I said, do you see all these marks on the bottom of the Teflon pan, all these scrapes? He said, yes. And I said, "When that happened when you use the immersion blender, right? And he said, yes. And I said, where do you think all that stuff went that you pulled off the bottom of the pan? It went, it's in our bodies. Yum, yum. <laughs> yeah. Um, anyway, it turns out Superman's wise to Muto's tricks because he figured out that it would be a trap. That's why he's strapped on the flying jet that automatically starts when water hits it. Remember that, folks. It's going to come back again and again. (laughs) Giving Superman a ride to safety while his Atlantean friends uh, get the fish hook onto the ship. Now, at this point, I'm thinking that only salt water can harm Superman. Okay, why? Because they've only said it, like the ocean... And the oceans appeared twice as as a, a uh, as a as a boundary as as a as a, uh, a 
yeah, a boundary for for Superman, like as a weakness, right? But so, that's not that's not going to be the case here pretty soon, right? So does the Superman of the future of twenty nine sixty six not bathe or drink water? Well, if it's well, he doesn't need to drink water. Obviously, Superman doesn't need to eat or drink. He doesn't. No, he gets all his energy from the sun. Yeah. Um, I mean, he does eat. I mean, Superman of our time does eat just mm-hmm. for kicks, but mm-hmm. he wouldn't have to. Wow. Um, well, if it's only seawater, he could bathe, right? Well, that's you'll see here in a minute. Well, I did read this. I forget what happened. It's that cloud when, when Muto, you're going to come to it in a couple uh, pages, when Muto has okay. hidden himself in a cloud, yes. and he changes the cloud to just water, just fresh water, Yes, and, and, and creates this vortex around Superman, who then starts falling out of the sky, and that stupid jet kicks back into action again and propels him out of this vortex of water, but it's hey, fresh water. Spoiler alert. It's coming up in two pages anyway, but um, come on, it's just fresh water, Bob. Well... So he doesn't have to drink. If he wants to bathe himself, he could just fly through the sun, and that would burn all the dirt off. He can fly through the sun? Yes, sir. It's Superman. Okay. Bra. Okay. Well, let's get this thing out of the water. So um, <laughs> so the mer people grab the hook and uh, hook it onto the, uh, what is this, spinning structure, and the grapple catches one of the fins, and it wraps itself now around the chain, and Superman lifts it out of the water and breaks open the side. And who is inside but... The, the, I can't remember the, I don't know his name. The person from, from Blax, which is the planet without color. Right. Um, so Superman takes him to jail, then switches to his everyday identity. Ultra News reporter Clark Kent, T-5477... He wants to go back to the microfilm. No, but I don't know what it's called. It's not microfilm. Mm. Micro. Whatever. Micro real room. Yeah. To, to do some more research to find out if he can discover anything about Muto and his potential weaknesses. So he goes back to Muto's origin story, knowing that Muto was born on the ship in an alien dimension, which gave him his powers, but it could give him a certain vulnerability, too. Mm-hmm. By George, I think I've got it. And we as the readers are not yet exposed, or, uh, or we're not told what that potential right. a weakness could be. It's going to be a big surprise. Suddenly, Lyra, 3916, the girl reporter who is just as fond of Clark Ken, but detests <laughs> Superman, bursts in. Clark, quick! Muto's image is being received on 3D Ultra News. He's interrupted all other broadcasts. Come and see. Um... So they gather with JL3388 and PW5598, the Interplanetary News Computer Editor. To why isn't why isn't it called J-O? Uh, like uh, Jimmy Olsen? I, I, I don't know. Okay. I just thought of something interesting, though. What? DC also had a science fiction character um, around this time, probably a little before this, Chris mm-hmm. KL99, who was the Christopher Columbus of space. Oh, wow. So this uh, number naming Uh business has a long and storied history in DC Comics. Oh, okay. I didn't know that. I just thought of it. It just came to me. Well, you have your brain is a wonderful repository of comic book knowledge. Yes. Always waiting. And only that. Always waiting to leak its way out. (laughs) Um, So 
Muto is going to bring a special doom on Metropolis to convince all worlds to acknowledge his rule and pay him tribute. Here we go. As the three-dimensional ultra-news warning ends... What do we do? Do we evacuate Metropolis? Lyra says. No, no time for that, Clark Ken. Do you notice that Clark Ken and JL are wearing the same outfit? They are, indeed. I didn't notice it before. I mean, a little bit different design on the jerkin, but same color scheme and same uh-huh. pants. I'm, I'm quickly flipping back to see if I can find other occurrences of that. Yeah. I wonder if that's like a reporter's uniform. Oh, that'd be t- that would, wouldn't that be weird? Why? In the future. Well, I guess you see that in a lot of those sort of imagined futures that were, that were conceived of in film form in 1960s and 1970s. Everybody yeah. has a sort of standard jerkin kind of yeah. uniform. What's that one running uh, where, they're, where they're... Logan's Run. Logan's Run. They uh-huh. all have the same kind of clothes. Except for the Sandmen. Yeah. I don't know. Who, I don't um, remember who that is, who those Sandmen are. They surely must invent a pill in the future to make everyone thin because all of those polyester... Cat suits are skin tight, right? They're all like size zeros. Yeah, isn't that what one of the complaints was of uh, a common complaint to the people who were in Star Trek uh, the series that those um, those suits that they wore that were always so tight required them to always be on a diet mm-hmm. <laughs> or wear girdles. <laughs> William Shatner, William, <laughs> or, or and, and um and uh, Riker, Riker, Commander Riker, Jonathan Frakes. Yes, yes. Um. So. Oh, and by the way, if Jonathan Frakes is listening to this, which I doubt he is, but if he is, we adore you. He's not listening. Okay. Um, if only. Wouldn't that be great? I'll say. Muto is hidden inside a cloud, which Superman easily sees with his X-ray vision. And he's going to use one of the stolen devices from the weapons world on Metropolis. So, Superman flies into the cloud. Uh-huh. Clouds are made of water vapor. Yeah, but you... So he's not going to be affected until it starts raining. You're not eight years old. You're No, but I have the mind of an eight-year-old. <laughs> I have a problem with this. This is what I, this is what I, the, this was the, you know, the, the spoiler alert that I gave. Here, you know, he says, um, it's child's play to condense the cloud around us into water, like the sea from which it arose. He says, it's paralyzed me again. I'm helpless. I'm falling. I don't understand... I don't And under- guess what? What? Even when I was eight years old, I knew that clouds were water vapor. I mean, yeah, of course. I mean, it's one, I of the earliest ex- things, one of the earliest scientific facts that you learn as a yeah. child. I was exceptionally precocious, but still. And that was like, we had like 50s science book in my house. And of course, when water um, evaporates from the ocean and trees. Yes. Um, but especially from the ocean, it does not carry salt with it. The salt stays behind, right. so it's fresh water. Right. So now we're learning that he is weakened by all water because of the radiation or something that's Correct. in the water. Yes. Yeah. I'm beginning to see why this concept was only appeared in four stories. Very disturbing to me. So the flying jet saves him as he plummets towards Earth in... Third uh, time. What? Third time he's been saved by that stupid flying jet. Yeah. I shouldn't say stupid. It's it's life saving. It's life saving. Um, but it gave Muto time to turn his strange ray on Metropolis. <laughs> I I hope you're going to mention something about this ray. Well, so 
Muto says, ha ha, too late, Superman. You used to be the biggest man in Metropolis, but no more. Ha ha. <laughs> he says, what does he mean by that? And then he looks down and sees, great Krypton, the malevolent mutant used the expander ray, one of the world's di- most diabolical weapons of past years. There are fetish stories <laughs> written about women who outgrow their clothes. I've never read yes. one, but I've read about them, and I think they're. I think I've always. It's always made me laugh to think that someone might actually be um, um, excited by reading a fetish story about a woman who outgrows her clothes. And so we have a whole page of people outgrowing. Everything around them, outgrowing the buildings they're the in, cars. outgrowing the cars. But one thing that we do get is Lyra says, um, but only living things are expanding. It's a good thing modern clothes have plenty of stretch. <laughs> it's like, oh, I read that and I went, oh, the fetish the angle. It's completely been uh, reimagined here. It's, we've avoided it completely. And nonetheless, all these people are going to be trapped inside buildings. Look at poor... Uh, j- I don't know, I say Jimmy Olsen, but it's something Jimmy L or something like that. JL. JL, yeah. He's trapped in that room trying to squeeze himself out. <laughs> I love this page. This made the whole story worth reading. Like Look at all the people <laughs> getting the out of the bus. <laughs> By the way, uh, it's a thousand years in the future. We still have rubber tires. Badly done, humanity. Badly done. <laughs> Oh, I mean, it's good to know that we're, it's not just us that was expecting to have flying cars by now. It's also people a thousand years in the future. Right, right, right. And then a, oh, I just hate this because at the bottom of the page, said the man who's outgrown his helicopter says, we're doomed. We'll soon be too big to move. Only Superman might have helped, but he flew away and deserted us. Really? He's been around for over a thousand years, over ten generations of Superman, yeah. Supermen, and the, you start to outgrow your stupid helicopter, and the very first thing you say is, Superman has deserted us. He flew away. Um, Have a little bit more faith, right? That didn't bother you at all? I didn't think of it until just now. Okay. No, but um, I was thinking about how this actually would be just a terrible weapon of war because you'd grow people giant, and they'd either be trapped inside... And then the building would collapse on them as they grew. Or they'd just grow too big to move and they'd just fall over and die. Well, yeah, because they couldn't be able to, to have enough energy to keep themselves going. Right. Yeah, they just grow big and die. Um, anyway, that guy's going to eat his words because uh, Superman just had to make a quick trip to the museum world where relics of the histories of thousands of planets are kept to get this apparatus used in wartime as a defense against the expander. It'll shrink things back to normal. Well done, well done, Superman. So the crisis lasted exactly four panels. Great. And he's back. Yeah. Now, catch up with Muto. And this time, he's playing for all the marbles. Mm-hmm. Muto knows Superman's weakness, but Muto will never guess that Superman has figured out his. Mm-hmm. I wonder what it is. Here we go. Uh, Muto and his two remaining henchmen are in the rocket ship getting ready to launch more of the stolen weapons at Superman, including helium bombs, the most powerful in the universe. Uh, of course, they can't hurt Superman, but they've detonated them in the atmosphere of Earth, so... That's okay. All of the, all the water and all the universe is poisoned anyway. It right. only affects him, but, you know, I mean, 
It's sad. So the helium bomb ha- uh, was filled with water, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, compressed by Muto's mind over matter power. He's trying to force Superman to fall into the ocean, but the flying jet... For the fourth time. I actually I, I must I stand corrected okay. by my own self yes. uh, here. This is the third occurrence okay. of this saving his life. The jets. Um Superman gets to the rocket and ties up the exhaust pipes like Pene Pasta in the background. Uh-huh. <laughs> and hurls the ship into orbit so the police can pick up the two henchmen because Muto's escaped out the top hatch and Superman pursues Muto and he goes to the bleakest land on earth, the icy Antarctic. Yes. He's trying to decoy me into his base under the ice cap. Then he plans to change the tons of ice around it to water. Right. Even my jet couldn't save me. Well, I'm not falling for it. So, I mean, it's clear. It's not just ocean water. It's just water in general, just specifically water in liquid form because clouds are fine. Ice is fine. Oh, yeah. yeah. Only liquid water. Mm-hmm. What? Oh, is that something about water? Like at 34 degrees is... Denser than ice? Denser than ice, yeah. yeah. 34 degrees Fahrenheit. Science is amazing, isn't, isn't it? amazing? Right before it freezes, it's denser than ice. Hmm. <laughs> the things you learn on this show. When did we learn that? Last week? Two weeks ago? Yeah. I, um... I think we learned it on your podcast. On my podcast? Yes. Which we'll discuss later. Okay. Um, so Superman quickly smelts metal from rock with his no. bare hands. What? We did not learn it on my podcast. We learned it sitting outside having cocktails with a friend at the fire. Oh, yes. Didn't we? True. Yes. Okay, go ahead. Um, Superman smelts a... Uh, Metal the metal from, from the rocks rock makes him. a giant lightning rod and then sucks clouds together over this very spot so that awesome bolts of lightning will crash into the lightning rod which Superman just constructed. And Muto comes out of his lair under the ice and says, I know what you're up to, Superman. Oh, so. <laughs> Superman. <laughs> um, but you're all wet or will be when I melt the ice you're standing on and... Uh-oh, turns out that a super electric discharge can open a space warp into another dimension. Mm. Being born in that dimension gave you fantastic mental powers but also a vulnerability. So that's the vulnerability, that he'll just get sucked into his home dimension. Well, it happens with um, Miss... Miss Mix, yes, Pitlick. Mix, oh, my God. Miss Yetz Pitlick? Mix, yes, Pitlick. How come it was just Mixelplick in the cartoon? In because the, who's super gonna pay a, you have to pay extra voice actors to <laughs> pronounce all those syllables. <gasps> Look at all the birds. Oh my god. Do you see them all? Yes, that terrifies me. The birds was the first horror movie I ever saw. Oh my god. So um we have I guess they're starlings. Um they're they're migrating and they're in the trees all around us and they're just like swirling around the house right now. It's um can I open the windows? No, right because they're massing for an attack. No, come on. No. <laughs> okay. Oh, we could hear it though. It's so. I neat. don't want to hear it. That there's their war cry that they're going to just destroy humanity. <laughs> Look at them all. There's so many of them. I'm going to get. Do we have any hornet killer spray? <laughs> they're just birds. They're not just birds. They're dinosaurs, oh. <laughs> and they're just biding their time, and they can retake there over the Earth. hundreds of them. Hundreds of them. Wow. They're, oh, my God. Look at them, Bob. They're swarming. 
All right, let's get back. Oh, well! There's just a, bit, a huge cloud of them just flew by. It's not going to be a very good migration. They're just flying in circles. <laughs> well, they're just waiting for you to come outside so they can attack you. I can't believe you won't let me open the window. Just no! Okay. All right. <laughs> so, Muto has been sucked back to his birth dimension. Mm-hmm. We still has powers. That's where he got his powers. Well, yeah, but he's, he's going to be trapped there, I suppose. Well, all he has to do is create an electric charge, which he can do with his powers, and return to Earth. Perhaps. Perhaps. Well, well gone now. Thanks, Bob. They'll be back. Okay. They're probably up on the roof waiting for us to move. <laughs> you know they attacked the skylights the other day. I was sitting what? in my office working, and uh-huh. it's just boom, 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 boom. Hitting Earth? the skylight. Yes. Wow. No, not wow. Ah! <laughs> is the correct reaction. <laughs> hey, Dr. Husband. Yes? You have your own podcast now. I do have my own podcast Tell us now. all about it. Well, it's called Liberally Speaking, and you can find it on Apple Podcasts. Yes. I hosted it on Podia, so I don't know where other places where you can find it, but I know that you can find it on Apple Podcasts. Um, I think it'll also be on Spotify and Stitcher. Mm, okay. So my um, my first podcast, uh, interview is now uh, my first podcast is finished and it's up and it's an interview with adam booth a storyteller um who's won the west virginia liars contest four times Mm -hmm. Uh, it's it's a storytelling contest he's fantastic and it was so much fun to talk to him but the, the it's called liberally speaking because through each of the episodes i talk about a principle of liberal arts education with that person and try to sort of tease out how their studies um, their broad-based study of, of liberal arts uh, sort of has informed their lives and their careers. And so my second interview that I'm working on right now, um, editing, is with uh, the head of the um, guitar department at Berkeley College of Music, Kim Perlack, who we went to school with. Yes. Um, she is fascinating. She is fascinating. Uh, I, we talked for two hours. Um, so I've got a lot of editing to do. Because I need to, of course, make it into manageable editing. What's that? I know you. You, you just like hit done and send export. Um, well, you can find liberally speaking on Apple Podcasts or wherever you download your podcasts from. Yeah. You can rate and review, Doctor Husband. Do and if I get uh, uh, if I get some listeners, I'll probably be inspired to <laughs> try to create a more regular schedule. Um, you know what you need? What social media? For example, you can find us on social media at GoGoCheckPod. Mm. Um, you can also rate and review us at Apple Podcasts or wherever you get download podcasts from. Mm-hmm. And you can find us back here next week. And you can find Liberally Speaking on a semi-regular schedule. Probably every two weeks. Every two weeks, yeah. he says. Yeah. Um, I don't have a production team. It's just me. Uh, same. Well, yeah. <laughs> it takes a little bit more time to... Oh, well, you're very good at this. And we've been doing this. This is, we've done this is like our hundred and, I don't know, fourth or fifth episode. 109th. Yeah. We've been doing this for a while. So we got, we got it down pat. We're old pros. Yeah. Uh, that's not all we're old of. That didn't make any sense. Anyway, we'll be back next week. We'll be back next week. Yes. Anything else to add? No, it's just good to good to be sitting here. And I, I, I do wish that you would have allowed me to open up the windows. So we could have heard the swarm of starlings outside of our windows. Listen. Yeah. Nobody wants to hear that. Or it might have been grackles. I'm not quite sure they were speckled. Worse.
<laughs> All, right. All right. Bye. Bye. It's time to live our lives.